right, what is going on, guys? It is the Chasing Waypoints podcast, episode number 27. Oops, we skipped a week. Sorry about that, guys. Fourth of July weekend and long week and busy and didn't get a chance to really get in and record an episode, so my bad. But we are back. It is Sunday, uh, July 11th. So a lot going on this week. Absolutely excited. Finally up and running. Took some time to install the Rottweiler intake into the KTM 790. Mm, sounds a lot better. Probably going to go head out for a ride right after this episode. It is 198 degrees, or at least that's what it feels like out here in San Diego in the sunny side of the county. Also known as a mole. Kind of nice being close to Zacate. Be able to head out and, and go for a ride. I just need to get the riding gang back together. Just in time for the summer. So, looking to have fun, but let's get this episode started. This time around, I want to talk a little bit about the Silkway Rally. We just had that go, go on. So, do some recap stuff on that. Talk a little bit more about the rally stuff, and then we will wrap up the episode. This week is going to be a short episode. We are looking at uh, this coming week. Possibly, I know some people that know some people and uh, get to work on the other side of rally. So what we get to see, they are the ones in control of what we get to see. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But this time around, let's talk some rally stuff. Turn down this party here. All right. So this week was the Silkway rally taking place in Russia and Mongolia. For those of you that were watching the rally or following the rally, they actually had some stuff go down and were not crossing over into Mongolia. They stayed in Russia for this time around. So um, I had heard some stuff, but I will leave that for maybe next week's guests to talk a little bit more about it. But uh, a couple of different things going on there that we're not really sure. At least I'm not really sure which uh, what could have caused it. But. Uh, it was definitely looked like a really fun rally, very picturesque, very awesome, based out of Russia, uh, starting in the town of Omsk. I'm probably going to butcher the names, but uh, doing five stages and then wrapping it up, uh, five or six stages wrapping up. It was really interesting. The last stage they where they basically turned them around and came back around. I heard a comment uh, from Daniel Sanders, an interview that was posted uh, about how fast uh, the course was coming back on that stage. So basically they ran it backwards. I believe he was about 11 minutes faster coming back, which is interesting because obviously you know the route more or less. You know where the dangers are more or less, uh, but everything's backwards. So you got to have a pretty good photographic memory to get yourself back. Uh, obviously the navigation is not going to be as tricky. Uh, definitely going to be as as fun. And, and the stage looked awesome. The water crossing, if you guys were following that, uh, and got to see some of the posts, the water crossing that they went through uh, was pretty cool. I'm sure they went through multiple of them, but there was one in particular where the guys on the bikes were were rather struggling. But I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. You know, no big deal. Doesn't look like anybody went down. I'm sure there probably was some other ones. Uh, I think the best in show on that one was definitely the Kamaz. Um, I don't know if they forgot there was a crossing there, but they just sent that thing full send across the water. and uh, Rather impressive. So... It didn't really didn't seem like the water crossing bothered him much. 
the bikes, though, whole nother story. So it looked like a couple times there was uh, going to be a few guys get washed away. But uh, but it was pretty cool. I, I really, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing more about this rally. Uh, I know that they have recently only started allowing bikes going into the rally. I believe that's only been the last, like, two or three years that they've allowed motorcycles to participate in that. So it's been pretty cool to see uh, to see these guys race it. It does look like it is a little bit more wide open than what you would see, like, kind of in the Dakar terrain uh, and some of the other places. But I think it's a pretty cool... Uh, pretty cool event it looks real like i said really picturesque real like uh, you know it's, it's a whole nother place like uh, when i think of russia i think of something completely different uh and this actually looks really really cool so um this time around it was actually uh so i know we had uh andrew short and skylar house out uh out at the rally uh doing their thing let's see going back to where they had our final standings i know that uh, I know that Skyler brought home the hardware, finishing up second place uh, after that uh, with the number three car or three bike, uh, finishing just six seconds behind him. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, Tyus Walkner was the winner for this year's edition. Uh, so I'm sure pretty stoked about that. So KTM and a Husky. And I believe it was a hero in the number three spot. So very interesting uh very interesting event as far as the the bikes and everybody competing up towards the top uh it was definitely uh it looked like a challenge and like i said it, just, it definitely looked a lot more wide open uh than it did uh like some of the other stuff and i'm sure there was still some tricky navigation and all that stuff and this is of course me sitting in a in a room you know about a hundred thousand miles away from from where the event happened so i have no idea uh what it actually looked like but yeah Winners announced for the 2021 uh, Silkway Rally. So I, you know, I'm I'm curious to see how this event progresses and how this event grows with having more motorcycles um, in there. Uh, I believe uh, still KTM is starting its uh, its reign. So uh, Frank Okami, that was the other guy. Hero Motorsports Rally Team. He was the third place uh, finisher, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then it was, uh, I know Ross branch was there also for a show. Uh, but you know, Matthias Wachner, um, you know, was the one in the end, put it up on top. So congrats to him and congrats to Skylar house. That was an impressive show with the K or excuse me. Ooh, K two horrible with the Husky rockstar team. So I am sure he is stoked to be doing that. Uh, it's been a really good showing. I mean, he's, he's out at Sonora rally and out at uh silkway rally and both good showings for the bike. Uh, Sonora Rally first first time out on it, uh, so I was you know the the bike is awesome. I actually got up close and got to see some of the stuff that's on this thing, and uh, yeah, the bike is badass. And so, like any you know KTM Husky, the the DNA, the 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 building, the the hmm, should we say pedigree? The pedigree of that bike is uh, long standing. I mean, 16, 16 wins, fifteen wins, sixteen wins in a row at Dakar only to be dethroned by the Honda uh, now two years in a row. Uh, so it should be interesting. I think that the cars is also going to bring around another interesting race to see. Uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the road books, uh, electronic road books. Uh, I know that that's coming. Uh, they're doing some bigger stuff. And then also um, just to see how they, how they control the, this time, right? Last year, the big deal was 
uh, six tires for the entire event uh, for the rear. So that definitely puts a strain on things, right? Now you got tire strategy coming into play and when to do it. And it's almost like Formula One, right? You got to run a set of soft tires at some point and, you know, okay, well, where do you put those? You know, those are going to be your fastest tires, both on the track and to wear off and having to take them off the track. So with this, it's a little bit different. Skyler did bring an interesting perspective to that when we talked to him a few episodes ago um, in that it, it, it actually is more of a safety concern uh, with worn out tires trying to come into a corner and not having any bite there to slow the bike down. So it could lead to some very interesting moments. Uh, we will call them interesting. Uh, some will call them pucker moments and others will go, oh, shit. So there's a lot of uh, different variations of what that situation could be, but uh, in the end, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to try and make it something, um, you know, are they going to limit the speed? Are they going to change the gearing? Are they going to limit the revs on the bike? Are they going to limit uh, fuel flow? I mean, there's I mean, there's a host of things that they can do uh, to slow it down. Uh, I know now they are uh, pro riders doing airbags, airbag systems. I know Alpine Stars has one. I know Climb has one. Uh, so there's a couple of safety things that they're working on and have been doing. Uh, that debuted this year, and I'm sure they're going to carry on into next year. So looking forward to seeing what what kind of innovations they do. And so this should be this should be interesting. So we'll look at the calendar. We'll see what events are coming up next. We'll do a little better coverage on them, maybe do some uh, every other day kind of stuff. But uh, I am definitely stoked to see uh, Skyler's progression on the Husky and seeing how uh, how he keeps it on the box, man. That's that's two in a row on the box. So that is very nice. Uh, from there, the we were talking uh, the last episode. So the last episode, if you guys tuned in, that was with Scotty Bloom out of Baja Rally. And we had a really good conversation, talked a lot about road books and some of the different things about the rally. Uh, so it was a really, really cool event. Uh, that is, as I, I worked with Baja Rally for about four or five years uh, as race director. And it, it was a great experience, um, challenging at times, but that's like any event. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces, and I mean a lot of moving pieces. So you're not going to get it right every time, but the closer you are to getting it right, the better it is for the competitors. And it was, you know, in the end, it was a lot of fun. A lot of great people met a lot of great people, still keep in touch with pretty much everybody uh, from that. You know, we're back and forth friends on social media. And Honestly, I mean, it is it is a good event. It's a growing event, just like anything else. I know it's uh, working its way now to its ninth edition, uh, 10th edition coming up. Uh, but yeah, we we had a great chat even after uh, even after the microphones were off. It was always uh, it's always good to see, you know, as uh, Scotty does have. I mean, he is a journalist at heart, so he does have his pulse on a lot of the stuff that's going on uh, in the rally world, uh, sometimes more so than I think his personal job. But, you know, um, that's the obsession. So. Looking forward to see what the routes are this year. I hear that we're or they're going to be doing a uh, marathon stage uh, in this. So that should be pretty cool uh, for those playing the home game. Marathon stage simple is a two day stage usually uh, where overnight the crews, your 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 masseuse, your mechanic uh, and the uh, team. Well, I don't know. Let's go with masseuse and the mechanic. Uh, get the night off and so you have to be responsible for your motorcycle you're allowed a small box of, of spares your basic equipment and that gets shipped off to a remote location where only you have the ability to work on the motorcycle so uh, things like tires you're not allowed to change tires usually so that means you're going without taking a penalty uh, so that means you've got to work on conserving them and making sure that you're in the right uh, in the right 
in the right position to be able to finish the next day stage. So basically not trash the bike or vehicle uh, on the way in. Uh, so that way you can make it on the way out. So should be very interesting. I kind of have an idea where they're going. I'm not sure if the organization has announced. So I rather leave it to them to do that and then unannounce or announce their official route. Uh, but should be a good event. You know, we have two real events here in North America. We have the Snore Rally and then we have the um, we have the Baja Rally, right? That's in Mexico. Those are actual racing events. We do have the Kota Rally, uh, which we did talk to Mike from that group um, and what he's doing and getting ready. And that's going to be in early September. That one's kind of a unique rally. It's it's really it's a Malimoto style. So basically, there really is not a lot as far as support crew goes. You got to run and set yourself up. He's got a great website for Kota Rally where you can see the rules and, and kind of how the thing flows. But I think it's a really cool challenge for people to go and do that kind uh, of event. Yeah, there's speed limits. Yeah, there's limitations of the DOT. But, hey, he took two years to pull this off. So that was really, really crazy. Um, it, it laid out the groundwork, I think, for a lot of other events to possibly spring up you know, in the future. Uh, because of the groundwork that he has done, I think that that, that could be a go. Uh, racing it. Still going to be a little difficult, right? You want to keep and make sure that uh, the speed limits and everything is obeyed. Uh, you don't want to go full race pace in some of these areas because that includes now, like he mentions in the episode, just it includes a whole other set of rules uh, just to be able to do that. So we don't want to really get into that part of it yet. Uh, but hopefully with what he is doing, we will be able to get into that. And it would be awesome to have something here stateside. Uh, this week, I also saw a post. Actually, he sent me a post. Oh, no, I pardon me. It wasn't him. It was actually Ace Nelson. Ace Nelson from High Desert Adventures. We also talked to him uh, on another episode on our previous episode. And I got a message from him uh, where it looks like Alex from Conflict Motorsports and Rally Pan Am is up in the Pacific Northwest doing some scouting for some rally schools. So get your rally bikes ready. Speaking of which, had a conversation this weekend with my dad about um, or earlier in the week. The days just kind of blend together. Kids don't grow up. It's trap um, where we were talking about, you know, OK, well, what you know, the thing for me is, is I, I need to get a bike where I can ride, uh, ride some of these routes. KTM 790 is a very capable bike in the right hands, except that's not my hands. So I like to think of myself as a beginning to intermediate rider. I'm very cautious, that kind of thing. The 790 is just a bit much bike. You twist the thing and it will happily loop itself out if you don't have it in the right traction control settings uh, or with the right talent on board. Let's be honest. So we were thinking, okay, well, what do we do? You know, what's the what's the deal? I had somebody reach out to me on social media. I'll name them later. Uh, and we'll we're actually going to work on an episode because I think it's a very interesting topic uh, that he brought in. And I think that a lot of people may be in the same boat. But if I was to get started, right. I would want a skills bike more than I want a race bike, right? And while the prevailing bikes are the the 450 EXC or the 450s and the the 500 EXC or the Husky uh, 501, you know, those bikes, amazing bikes, right? And the Husky, the preferred one, if you listen to the episode with uh, Chris Parker from Rottweiler, uh, we talked about why he picked the, the Husky. And even uh, Skyler mentions it in his episode, uh, as well that you know the husky and it's because of the linkage the bike is more stable uh in the rougher terrain so okay well that you know that's good you know that's all right well let's go with a 501 well what if you don't want to go full send right 
Um, my very first bike was a 250. Uh, YZ, YZF 250? YZ250F? I don't know. It was the four-stroke motocross bike, right? No lights on the thing. It was just all ready for Baja. I don't know how we were supposed to run lights on the thing. But, you know, the bike was underpowered, but it had enough power, right? It was a motocross bike. It was geared a certain way. And, yeah, it sucked on the highway. But, you know, that's, you know, you trade one for the other, right? Um, and, and, and when you get away from that, well, yeah, okay. The Husky 501, yeah, much bigger motor, going to be better. It's not going to be working as hard on the highway to do that stuff. But if you think about it in rally, there's a lot of highway sections that you do do. And there's usually some kind of speed limit associated with that. So will the bike operate comfortably at the speed limit, I think is the correct, you know, way of looking at it. So started looking at bikes. I don't want to give too much away, but I think I pretty much settled on, uh, the actual, the WR 250F. So WR 250F, um, one of the reasons I'm looking at that bike, well, one, uh, there's the R version, which does have pretty much is the same bike. Uh, the difference is going to be uh, suspension and and some of the tuning stuff on it. And, of course, it comes with a full light package, turn signals and all. So then you have the WR250F. WR250F comes with the adjustable suspension already, which is a big plus. And then it is more limited. So you got a headlight and a taillight. So then if you're going to take it on the street, make it street legal, obviously not in California, then it's easier to do. You already got a stator. You already got all that stuff. The tune on it, from what I understand, is a little bit more power or at least a little bit crisper. Uh, fuel injection bike anyway. So thinking, okay. So we got a winner. And then I started looking and, you know, I was talking to uh, Dave Manriquez and Arlie Dave. And we were talking about, you know, well, you know, the, like the XR400, right? The XR400 is like the brick. Not any kind of brick, but a very special brick. The very special kind that just does not crumble over time. It does not give up. The thing is just absolutely bulletproof. So I'm thinking, okay, well, let's see, right? XR400, older technology, but still a workhorse. I mean, no, you're never going to take that away from it. I like that it's it's air-cooled, so, you know, all you got to do is worry about oil temperature, uh, not water and stuff like that. And then you think, okay, well, there you go. What do you got? Uh, 34 horsepower is what it's got. And I'm going, well... You know, yeah, but you don't want to get a 250, you know, the 250 and horsepower down on horsepower. Well, as it turns out, the difference between old school and new school technology is four horsepower. So going to a WR250F, you're only missing out about four horse. Yes, on a dirt bike, that is a noticeable difference, but that doesn't mean a pipe and a tune couldn't get you right back to it. And in the end, if you understand that this bike is not going to be designed to be a race bike, is not going to be something that you go or or you know what it is you know whatever go go send it at a rally you know what's really holding you back yeah it's not going to hold pinned at 104 or 105 on that straightaway most of the riders in rally um don't really go for that every once in a while you want to go for that but trust me your hair feels like it's on fire at 85 just like it does at 105 so 20 miles an hour difference isn't going to kill you so I'm thinking, okay, so now that I've, I think I'm pretty much set on that bike, 255 pounds, super light, throw a tank at it. Obviously, it's going to get the gas mileage because it's only a 250. And now it's like, okay, what do we do? Springs, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm giving away the project, but you know, whatever, let's just talk about it. So I'm thinking, here's, here's what I'm thinking. WR250F will get Desert Tank, probably IMS or Safari, whoever makes it, right? Um, just whatever the four gallon tank is, which should be enough, right? Uh, do an exhaust, 
get some of that power back. Uh, GTYR or GYTR. I'm, I don't speak Yamaha yet. So figure that. You get a, a tune on it to make up that horsepower if you really need it. We're going to put a question mark on that one because I think it was Jimmy Lewis that said 30 to 40 horsepower is plenty to get into trouble in the dirt. So let's go with that. So then from there, we'll get, uh, we've got the gas tank, the pipe, stabilizer, probably going to be a requirement. It is a lighter bike, which means it's probably not going to have that weight to wade through the sand as easily. Some bars and some hand guards. I think that's a pretty standard package for uh, a desert bike, right? It's already got a headlight. It's already got a tail light. So I think the only thing that go from there is we'll call Rally Moto Shop and we will get a basic, their handlebar navigation kit, right? Bolted on the handlebars, get roadbook reader. You've got your ICO or a pair of ICOs. And then you've got this clamp system that works right onto the handlebars. Wire it up, ready to go. There it is. There is your basic rally bike in the most basic form. Not super expensive. The WR250s are not necessarily the, I don't think the hottest seller um, because everybody's after like the 450s and the bigger bikes, which I totally get. But the bike is good enough, you know, and is it going to be ultra competitive in rally? Well, I don't know. I mean, if you blow a waypoint, it doesn't matter. So good luck trying to make up those 20 minutes if you really do screw it up. So I'm thinking, you know what? Okay. Then you look at like the KTM 350 and you go, okay, well, yeah, the KTM 350 EXE. Mm-hmm. Okay. 34 horsepower. Suspension probably going to be a little bit better right out of the box. Not going to need to do a whole lot. But the price tag, though, then starts to match that of the 450s and 500s, where the WR is still going to be at like the 7, about the 7K range. So I don't know. I think it's a better bike, at least for that, right? I'm not saying it, you know, I'm, there's people that know way more about motorcycles than I do uh, in this genre. But I'm thinking, well, you know what? It'll get the job done. Let me get a, a sip of my non-adult beverage. So you think about it. I mean, that's really all you need for rally, right? Just need a basic bike that's going to be reliable. You need your navigation equipment and something you can ride that you could pick up 100 times. And especially if you're learning how to ride, you're probably going to have to pick it up a hundred times. So we'll see. That's kind of the goal for now. I think that, I think we could definitely do a build on something like that. I think that would be a really cool bike to build and, and do an article on it. I still haven't done one on the 790. The 790 is getting close. I think there's one more missing piece. By the way, this episode is brought to you part by Starbucks. Refreshers. Just kidding. That's not an advertisement. God, if I was sponsored by Starbucks, that'd be horrible. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. It works. That's what's uh, what we're drinking today. Maybe next time around, we'll pick some kind of choice beer. I've got a really good liquor store right around the corner that has a ton of selection. And some pretty good licorice. Not going to lie. So yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, all right, well let's let's look at a basic rally bike. What can we do? What's something basic that's going to work and make it happen, and that we'll be able to to get out and beat on and and have fun with, right? Doesn't need to be the fastest bike in the barn. Just needs to be the reliable bike in the barn. So from there, I think we're, they're going to go on to 
once we get that done, we'll look at some of the gear stuff, things like that, and then move move forward with some more training and creating some roadbooks. You know, there there's there's the other underlying reason as to why I was like, okay, well, I was thinking about this on the drive home right now, and I was thinking, you know, it's there's so much you can ride on an adventure bike. Right. There's so many routes, so many things that you can do. And the adventure bike, I think, is the for me, I will say, is like the ultimate adventure bike, especially for something like Baja. Right. If I'm going to ride with a few people and all that stuff. Yeah, I want to go and explore some dirt roads and some some single or not single track, but, you know, some two track stuff, you know, that's kind of remote and out there. But you want a bike that has a lot of power and you want a bike that's got some weight. And the reason I say that that I learned early on in my motorcycling career, uh, which is very limited, was that the lighter bikes tend to, at least my experience, right, that lighter bikes tend to be thrown around a little easier than the heavier bikes. Uh, a 250, I remember the YC, it, it was, it felt pretty harsh and the bike just felt really light. So at times for me, it just didn't feel, it wasn't set up for me. It was not. The springs only worked because the person that rode it before me had set it up for basically racing. So they hit stuff really hard. They can go with the stiffer spring rate. So for me, the bike never really felt as stable as it probably could have. So then I thought, okay, well, I ended up going from there. I went right from a 250 to a 625 uh, SXC. That thing was an animal. And it had plusher suspension. So it felt, to me, it felt better. And it was easier to ride in the dirt and, and, and everywhere. It just it just cruised. And and it was a little bit more effortless. I, I feel like I learned how to ride more on that bike than I did on the YZ. Which, you know, I don't know. People disagree. But this is, again, this is my episode or my podcast. So I will talk about my experiences. So that's what I, I learned, right? So then I think I'm going back now after learning, you know, talking to Alex, a conflict and talking more suspension stuff. And I figured out, I'm going, well, yeah, the problem one, the 250 was the suspension. So we could revisit that, get something like that. It'll be a great practice bike, something to go, you know, screw around on and do all that stuff. So, but just set up correctly. The difference is, is, is that that bike is going to go into rougher places. Like, I don't think I would attempt on the 790 to go do the section that goes from Mike Sky Ranch across the the observatory and on the backside into Melling uh, or Coyote. I don't think I would do that on the 790. If I went through it on the on the 250, the WR, I would say, okay, then it's doable. Then I would know what to expect. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can make it here. And it's because it's kind of the same thing, all right? You're always kind of picking lines right there was a section that we did uh this was a few months back we rode with some friends uh over to mike sky and one of the things that we came across was uh, excuse me here one of the things that we came across was that when you you work your way into mike's through san matias and there's going to be uh, section right after that long straightaway, and, and for those of you that are familiar that have seen uh, the road to Mike's, I'll look. I'll look up a picture. That's going to be the cover for this one. If you've seen the road to Mike's coming in from San Matias, 
there's it's a, the long straightaway and you get in the back you're working your way picking your way all the way to the back and then there is a section where the road kind of veers to the left and you're going to pass this like abandoned ranch right when you go around that abandoned ranch is the first and really the only kind of gnarly uphill that's there and i remember when we went we went on the adventure bikes and i was on the 850 uh the 850 gs and my other friend was on his 850GS Adventure, and then we had another guy on a 1200, and then we had a guy on a Tenere. So I come around, and momentum on the big bikes is your friend, because if it stops, then it does weigh 500 pounds. So we come around, go around this corner, and I see some rocks and stuff, so instantly I'm picking what's the least path of resistance to get through this. Pick my lines, boom, 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 go up. Then I sit up there and wait for a little bit and wait for them everybody to catch up and come up and then um, and then I see my friend on the 850 GS GSA GS Adventure having some trouble so I go around and yeah so what happened is his rear tire slipped off and it got him stuck he lost his momentum he had to get it and in feathering the clutch it overheated a little bit so we needed to adjust it and and get it going but what I learned is is that. Sometimes we take for granted that ability to come around a corner, look at stuff really quick, read the terrain, and then go. So that's definitely a skill to develop, is, is make a choice and, and hope for the best at some point. So once we were able to get his bike going and all that stuff, and I and I don't like riding other people's bikes. I just don't because I always feel like, you know, if I screw something up, it's like I owe it to them to, to fix it, you know. So we finally got him out of there, right? Took a little bit of work, but... You know, he persevered. He made it happen. And then the other two guys, once they saw what he went through, they didn't want to go through it. And I knew that it was the only so no amount of convincing was going to get them to go. So they decided to turn around ultimately. But when I think about those kind of sections, I think like, okay, well, you could do that on on an adventure bike. You just need to pick your way. You could do that on a really skinny bike, and then it doesn't matter which way you take because you just put a foot down and drag the thing up if you need to. It's only 255 pounds. So we made it up to Mike's. It was interesting when we got up there because there was a skinny bike tour up there. You know, skinny bikes, all the small single cylinders. And they they were like, oh, you guys rode up here? So, oh, you must have gone through um, Lienzo or Valle Lienzo, Lienzo, I forget what they call it. The back way, which is basically through the power station back up, which is an easier, admittedly an easier route. There's more sand on it if you don't know the area, but it is it is a little sandier. Whoops, that kind of thing can develop depending on when the races go through there. So, no, we went up the face. We went up the front side. Oh, oh cool. You know, that's a man on a big bike. and stuff. Yeah, let's see. You know, and we talked a little bit about it, but they were going to ride, you know, they were going to do their thing. And yeah, in the morning, sure enough, they took off and they started heading up towards the observatory and all that stuff and go, man, it'd be cool to go try that section. And I couldn't do it. I've heard of other people doing it on bigger adventure bikes. Um, but they're, I feel like they're more talented than I, and I don't want to be a liability. You know, I like to ride out of sections. I would prefer not to get dragged out of there. So who knows? Eventually we'll give it a shot once I can pre-run it, quote unquote, on another bike, a smaller bike. So anyway, long story short is that's the project that's coming or short story long, I guess I should say. So that's, I think, what we're going to be coming up with next. That will be the next move on the calendar. Uh, Aside from, yeah, we do have uh, Baja Rally coming up. Still looking to see. I likely will be down there uh, helping out the Rally Comp team. 
uh, getting getting all that stuff squared away. Did that at Sonora Rally. It was a lot of fun. You know, got to meet everybody, talk to everybody. It was really, really cool. Uh, and then, you know, working with Mike Johnson and the Rally Comp team was awesome. Uh, while he competed, I was handling all the other stuff. So uh, took a little bit of pressure off of him and not having to wear two hats at once, which uh, can be very difficult when you're trying to race. So... We'll see what happens this this time around. I know that the Coda Rally is going to be right at the front side of that month of September. Uh, unfortunately, we'll not be able to make that one uh, because of uh, having that, that time reserved for the Baja Rally. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting down and riding. It is the summer months. I got one more missing piece on the 790 before it's 100% ready to go, and we can do the story on that one. Uh, I'm just I'm trying to hold out because I want it. Um, but that is uh, still waiting on a shock, um, the development of a shock from Conflict Motorsports for the rear of that 790. So I'm hearing it's close, but we're going to see. Hopefully it comes soon and we can get it uh, get it going. The front suspension, I could say, is pretty dialed. Took some clicks out of it uh, after talking to Alex. And uh, yeah, that thing is rad. He did. Uh, we did in the meantime because we knew that it was going to be a little bit before we got a rear shock that was ready to go for the public. Um, we did revalve the rear shock, and I can tell you, I don't even know if I've talked about this already, but I can tell you that uh, it makes such a huge difference on the way that that bike accelerates out of the corners. Um, just you know, messing with the clickers and getting the right valving in there, getting the right spring in there, um, the bike becomes scary. It's just like a slingshot now. Um, I can tell you what I noticed before was coming into the corners and, and trying to accelerate out of the corners, you would get this loud, like clanking noise where the rear is just trying to do its thing and you can hear it trying to accelerate. You hear the motor RPMs coming up, but you just don't feel the drive that push out of the corner, uh, afterwards, after having it revalved and after having the spring done on it, um, I can tell you, uh, yeah, this thing, it's, it's starting to get that rubber band effect. I'm running an Attica Wild. Admittedly, it's not the most aggressive dirt tire. It gets the job done. Rather predictable so far, um, but it's a great street tire for a knobby. And so I'm, you know, I think I'm a little more realistic. Like, hey, you know, I'm not really riding super aggressive, you know, crazy dirt. So it'll work for now. I'm sure I'll end up with something more aggressive on there uh, now that the suspension's getting tuned up. But I don't know. I like it for now, but yeah, it, it was a really big difference. And then through the bars, I did end up uh, throwing a set of pro taper window bends on there. Uh, that was on the uh, suggestion of uh, Travis Brock from every single Sunday. Um, we were talking about different bar bends and things like that. And, and that was kind of his go-to and sat on a bike that I don't want to go, you know, yeah, I like how this feels. The only problem was uh, that it took, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the 790s, and they do have a bit of switch gear on them um, for rider controls, your multifunction switches. So uh, I had to uh, fire up the old CAD program and uh, draw up some extensions uh, that would screw into the handlebars, uh, giving me a little bit more room to breathe there. And I believe I ended up moving them out like 27 millimeters wider. Um, so, yeah, it seems like, oh, man, it's so wide, but... Uh, I rode the bike already, and yeah, it feels fine. Uh, I liked how it felt. I, I'm kind of got a wider build, so it, it felt comfortable to me. Uh, the bar bend was like spot on. Uh, is it going to work in the woods? Nah. Uh, is it going to suck on the trailer when you had two bikes next to each other? Probably because it's a little wider at the bars. But you know what? 
it rides to me it rides good so that at the end of the day is well and plus i like to ride to places instead of trailer it to places so if it's more comfortable you know it works but yeah so bar extensions on that get the pro taper bars on it the conflict suspension on it uh the raid garage thing uh raid garage tower on it so we'll be uh we'll be going through i got a lot of different things um on the bike ready to go uh i'm just like i said i'm missing one more piece before i do the whole write-up on it um and and get that going so i am looking forward to it but anyway so like i said it was going to be a short episode this week uh like i said i have uh i have somebody on the line i think it's going to be really really cool for next week's episode i'm very very excited about it um we are going to be talking to uh, Justin and Kira of West by 1000 and and their coverage. So uh, for those of you that aren't kind of familiar, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a segue into that one is they do have um, they basically is do social media and photography uh, for events um, and, and different teams and things like that. So they've got a whole list of clients, all of them, done it, but I can tell you this is some of the images that you have actually seen broadcasted by some of these organizations uh justin's got a very talented eye for photography uh and getting uh getting out in the middle of nowhere and making it happen uh kira also uh being able to write she's got a really unique writing style for her press releases and stuff like that so it's always a joy to read those so i'm absolutely looking forward to talking to them about the other side of rally raids and that is the side that we don't get to hear about the early early mornings because everybody's going to be heading out early you got to be up before them uh, already working and warming up and doing that kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be a really awesome show. So I'm really looking forward to it. I know they're in Paris now and then probably headed uh, somewhere else in the world. Uh, So we'll see when we check in with them where in the world they're at. But I am absolutely looking forward to that episode. Got a few more episodes also planned coming up. I will not divulge that information quite yet, uh, but absolutely stoked. So anyway, that's a wrap for this week's episode. If you enjoyed this one or have you not heard any of the other ones please hit subscribe and rewind back there's a lot of great information in some of these episodes so i definitely want uh want you guys to check them out and if you've got any comments jump on over to the facebook page it is chasing waypoints on facebook you'll see this episode posted there and you'll be able to comment uh and or share your ideas or feedback and then from there do not forget we are on also on instagram chasing waypoints underscore official So go ahead and check us out there as well. Hope everybody has a great week. Shiny side up. And we will see you guys for episode 28.